This is The World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. Brittany Griner, an American basketball player, was sentenced to nine years in prison by a Russian court for attempting to smuggle illegal drugs into the country. President Joe Biden called the ruling unacceptable. Ms. Greiner has been detained in Moscow since February 17th after customs officials discovered vape cartridges with a small amount of hashish oil in her luggage. America has reportedly offered to free Victor Bout, a Russian arms dealer imprisoned in Illinois, in exchange for Ms. Greiner and Paul Whelan, a former Marine who was detained in Moscow in 2018. China began its biggest-ever live-fire military drills in the airspace and waters surrounding Taiwan, the day after the visit by Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of America's House of Representatives. Taiwan said the drills violate UN rules and called it irresponsible, illegitimate behavior. Japan said that five Chinese missiles landed in its exclusive economic zone, which stretches 370 kilometers outside its territorial waters. New applications for unemployment aid in America rose slightly last week, reaching their highest in over six months. America's Labor Department announced that there were 260,000 new jobless claims on a seasonally adjusted basis in the week to July 30th. Companies such as Microsoft, Robinhood, and Walmart recently announced job cuts. America's Department of Justice charged four current and former police officers in Louisville, Kentucky, involved in the raid that led to the death of Breonna Taylor, a black woman shot at home two years ago. Two of the officers were indicted for allegedly falsifying the affidavit used to obtain the search warrant of her home. Her death, along with that of George Floyd in Minneapolis, ignited racial justice protests nationwide. The Bank of England raised interest rates by 0.5 percentage points to 1.75% in response to rising inflation, echoing the aggressive action taken by the European Central Bank and America's Federal Reserve. The bank said it now expected inflation to pass 13% in 2022, well above its forecast in May and to remain at very elevated levels in 2023. Glencore, a minerals and metals giant, announced profits for the first half of 2022, more than doubling to a record $18.9 billion. The miner has cashed in on its bid to stick with its coal business, which others have retreated from in recent years, as the fossil fuels price has surged following the war in Ukraine. Ukraine warned that Russia had started a new offensive aimed at the central Ukrainian city of Krivri, which lies about 50 kilometers from the southern front line and is the hometown of the country's president, Volodymyr Zelensky. Earlier, Mr. Zelensky urged Xi Jinping, his Chinese counterpart, to hold direct talks with him. China has refused to condemn Russia's invasion of Ukraine and ignored requests to engage with the Ukrainian government's top brass. And fact of the day, $1 trillion. The amount that the war in Ukraine has taken off forecasts for global GDP in 2022. 
And now here's a deeper look at the day ahead. India's economic risks pile up. For months, as central banks around the world tightened monetary policy, the Reserve Bank of India held firm, wary of jeopardizing a fragile economic recovery from the pandemic. In May, however, the RBI sprung into action. It increased interest rates by 0.4 percentage points, and again by 0.5 percentage points in June. The annual inflation rate, which was 7% in July, has now exceeded the RBI's upper threshold of 6% for five consecutive months. On Friday, it is expected to announce yet another raise that would push rates back to pre-pandemic levels. It is not just inflation that the bank is worrying about. The value of the rupee fell to its lowest ever against the dollar in July, forcing the RBI to draw on foreign reserves to prevent further damage. India's trade deficit has ballooned, too. The RBI need not look far to see the cost of mismanagement. Bangladesh, Pakistan, and Sri Lanka are already in deep economic trouble. The Sultan and the Tsar Recep Tayyip Erdogan and Vladimir Putin meet in Sochi on Friday for their second summit in 17 days. The war in Ukraine has brought Turkey and Russia's leaders closer, but also shifted the balance of power in their relationship. Mr. Putin is more isolated than ever and suffering humiliations on the battlefield. His Turkish counterpart, until recently a pariah in Western capitals, has made himself indispensable by brokering a deal to release Ukrainian and Russian grain exports across the Black Sea. But Turkey also needs Russia for its money. Mr. Erdogan's government has not joined in Western sanctions, making his country a destination for oligarchs' superyachts and potentially also for their investments. Last week, the Kremlin said it is buying $6.1 billion in Turkish treasury bonds, as part of a loan deal for the Russian-built Akuyu nuclear power plant, currently under construction on the Mediterranean coast. The cash will provide a much-needed boost to Turkey's shrinking foreign currency reserves. Gold loses its luster. Anglagold Ashanti, the world's fourth-largest gold producer, wants its results to shine on Friday as it reports on the changes made by the chief executive appointed in July 2021. But financial markets are unlikely to be impressed. The gold miner's share price has dropped by 60% from its all-time high in July 2020. Similarly poor returns have been registered by competitors, including America's Newmont and Canada's Barrick Gold. That is in part because gold miners often outperform gold in a rising market but also sink lower when it is on the way down. The metal's price has dropped by 14.5% since March. Historically, bullion has been seen as a safe haven amid inflation, and the shares of its miners as a hedge. This time around, the miners are suffering from higher costs without benefiting from higher prices. Either speculators think inflation is temporary, or, for now at least, Gold's historic insurance role is waning. America's job market comes off the boil. 
Having run hot for 18 months, the labor market in America may at last be softening. Data due on Friday are expected to show that the economy added about 250,000 jobs in July, the fewest since the end of 2020. But that would be a solid result. A slowdown in job creation ought to lessen inflationary pressure, while avoiding the steep employment losses commonly seen during recessions. The question is how long this Goldilocks scenario can last. Even with the slight cooling in the labor market, private sector wages are rising at an annual pace of more than 5%. That is far too fast for the Federal Reserve to succeed in bringing inflation back to its target of roughly 2%. Moreover, the economy has yet to feel the full brunt of the central bank's recent interest rate increases. The still robust job figures in July may thus be a way station on a path towards more layoffs. The Edinburgh Festival Struggles to Stay Festive The first Edinburgh National Festival was held in 1947 to rebuild cultural ties across Europe following the ravages of the Second World War. Since then, it has prided itself on its cosmopolitanism. In 2019, 2,800 artists from over 40 countries performed in classical music, theater, and dance shows. This year's edition, which starts on Friday, is fighting to hold up that mantle. The war in Ukraine, chaos in the airline industry, and Brexit have created a perfect storm of logistical challenges. There is a shortage of temporary workers. Burdensome documentation and visa requirements are holding up European artists, and the cost of shipping equipment has rocketed. Many performers are worried about having to cancel at the last minute because of COVID-19. Audiences, duly wary, are not booking their tickets in advance, depriving shows of cash. In its 75th year, the festival is having to try harder than ever to preserve its international roots. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 BST on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Friday What was the aristocratic title of Princess Margaret's husband, Antony Armstrong Jones? Thursday. Which Japanese camera film company was established in 1934? The winners of last week's crossword. Thank you to everyone who took part in our new weekly crossword published in the weekend edition of Espresso. The winners, chosen at random from each continent, were Asia, Vincent Cochun Keat, Keta, Malaysia, North America. Jug Stanovich, Kansas City, United States. Europe. Ria Ganapathy, Barcelona, Spain. Africa. Las Herdain, Cape Town, South Africa. Oceania. Roberta MacDonald, Runaway Bay, Australia. They all gave the correct answers of Nancy Pelosi, NASDAQ, Paris, and Israel. 
Check back tomorrow for this week's crossword. Finally, here's the quote of the day from Toni Morrison, who died on this day in 2019. The function of freedom is to free someone else. That's The World in Brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening.